Now, again, remember where we left off last week, okay? Let me remind you, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that either he couldn't remember or it troubled him so much that he wanted the wise men, if you will, the, the wise guys to tell him the dream and then give its interpretation. So what does he do? Well, he would do what anybody who was troubled do. He called them in and he brought them all in. There were four groups of people. Do you remember who they were? You see, he first brought in the magicians, the magicians. And these are not like magicians how we think of today that do magic tricks. These were more sort of the religious lawyers. So they would look at the religion of the Babylonians, and and so they were considered magicians. They also had astrologers. Don't forget the astrologers. And these were those who looked at the stars, much like today, and they would uh, try to forecast or predict the future. Well, I see this star lined up here and so forth. And so he wants these guys in. Maybe the dream has something to do with the stars. I don't know. Bring them in. The third group of people were the sorcerers. The sorcerers. You always want to have sorcerers if you're going to call in the wise guys. And you go, how so? Well, these were the magic potion dudes. Okay, these were the magic. These are the ones who cast spells and incantations. And hey, let's gather around and have mantras and so forth. These were the sorcerers. And then he called in the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans. And these were the very smart, the very wise priests. So... It's almost like Nebuchadnezzar wanted both just cover his religious bases, whether it might be a magician or it might be a priest. But I want to cover the fact that you can predict a spell or an incantation or make a potion. And then I also want to make sure that those who can look up in the sky will tell me what's about to happen. So Nebuchadnezzar is sleepless. If you recall, he's sleepless in Shinar. And you go, why did you say Shinar? Well, Shinar is another name for Babylon. So make sure you get that connected. Because now later on, as you study scriptures, and the word Shinar comes up, you go, oh, I know that's that's Babylon. Where is Babylon? It's modern-day Iraq. Okay, so now you've got all of these. And so the king was furious. So let's read verses 1 through 16 together, guys, and then we'll get a good run and go. I'm going to put them up on the screen. And it starts in verse 1. I guess I didn't put verse 1. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. We talked about that last week. Let's go on. It says, Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king of his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king. What's that word? In Aramaic. Remember that, guys. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we'll give you the interpretation. And the king answered and said in front of the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. Now, remember that. He said, my decision is firm, meaning I can't remember. You need to tell me, or no, you need to tell me. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut to pieces, and your houses shall be made into an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, 
you receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Now, before we read verse 7, remember, he's got, I've got good news and I've got bad news. What do you want first? I'll take the bad news. Well, basically, if you don't do this, you're going to die. And you're going to die in little pieces. But here's the good news. And he tells them verse 6 is the good news. And they answered again and said, let the king tell the servants the dream and we'll tell you what it means. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, and we'll give you its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision, you're bargaining for time, he says, verse 9. He says, if you do not make known the dream to me, there's only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing for the king request, and there is no other one who can tell it to the king except the gods. Those dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious, and he gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. That's what we read last week. We're going to pick it up in verse 13 because we continued on just a little bit. Notice verse 13 with me. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Your attention, please. We're not sure if they actually killed it. The text says that they actually began killing wise men. My thought on that was, what if there were other people that were not mentioned between, be, by, before Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were from Israel, and they had began killing innocent youths. The one thing we learned, guys, and the one thing we took is in this world, there are times when people will be taken from us and we won't understand why. And we thought, wow, why did the Lord take this person? You and I can look at our TV screen even today and say, there's probably a hundred people that, Lord, you could take right now and I would be happy. We can look at that and go, why not that person? Why not this person? Why not this person? Why did this pastor get killed? Why did my, why did my praying grandma die so young? Why did and, and we do that. And so what we have to realize and, and what we have to do is trust the sovereignty of God. You see, the Lord, the Bible tells us that we have an appointed time, guys. The moment we're born and there's a time that we're going to die, and God knows that time. And we all have an appointment. Unless the Lord Jesus comes back for us, we all have an appointment. We can't get out of the appointment. We can't reschedule that appointment. So why are we worried about it? See, as believers, we go, you know what? Listen, I know this is how life is. But all I have is today. And so I'm going to live today. I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. I don't know what next week's going to be promised. I don't, I'm going to live today. What does that look like in your life? What is living for today? And I don't mean living for self. I mean living for the Lord today. What does that look like in your life? Let me tell you a little bit. It looks like telling the people around you, you love them. And like It takes a few extra minutes to hug on your little ones. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in rules that we forget 
that it's moments. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, no, no. My little kid can't jump in the puddle because we have rules. We don't do that, but you miss the moment. So you see at my house, every time it rains, and it rains a lot, there's usually a big river. It feels like a river running down into the Playa Lake. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's usually a lot. And it won't be but five or six minutes after it stops that Nathalie will take our granddaughter out to jump in the rain. Wait a minute, we don't do that. We don't know. No, you see, she's, she's grasping the moment. And she's living. So we don't know what we have tomorrow. You get that, right? Let the Lord minister to your heart tonight and say, you know what, I don't have tomorrow. Lord, help me to glorify you today. And help me to, to be in the moment. Help me to be in the moment. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions. What were they seeking him? To kill him. Now, here's a good point for us to learn. Notice that Daniel and his friends were not with the others whom the king summoned. He wasn't, he wasn't part of the magicians or the astrologers. Daniel's at his house. He's just kind of doing his thing. But they sought him out for a reason. You go, what was the reason? Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill him. He was going to kill him. He had just spent buku bucks training them in the University of Babylon, and he's like, no, I'm so troubled, they need to die. They, don't, they can't tell me. Now, here's the point, and it's an important lesson we need to learn. You go, what's that? Even though we live in the world, we're not to be of the world. See, Daniel understood this principle. He and his friends just graduated from Babylon University, but he understood he was not a Babylonian. Ooh, that's good. Come on, somebody. That's really good. Why? Because, again, think about it. Although we are part of this world, and you and I sat up, and we watched elections, and we watched this, and we watched that, or whatever it might be, we still went to bed trusting the sovereignty of God. Why? Because we're in the world, and we're doing our part, but we're not of the world. And, and he understood this. What do you mean? What do you mean? Think about this. He did his job, but he didn't rush to the king so that he could advance his own career. He did his job. He's at home. He's at home. Chuck Swindell puts it like this. Quote, the world system is committed at least to four major objectives, which I can summarize in four words. He says, fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. First and foremost, fortune, money. The world system is driven by money. It feeds on materialism. Second, fame. That's another word for popularity. Fame is the longing to be known, to be somebody in someone else's eyes. Third, power. This is having influence, maintaining control over individuals, groups, or companies, or whatever. It's the desire to manipulate or maneuver others to do something for one's own benefit. He goes on to say, fourth is pleasure. The basic level of pleasure has to do with fulfilling one's sensual desires. It's the same mindset that's behind the slogan, if it feels good, do it, end quote. That's Chuck Swindoll. Jesus said this, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, 
I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Do you understand that tonight, church? Jesus said, you're not of the world. You're not of the world. If He says, I chose you out of the world. And because of that, the world hates you. The world hates you. And yet, we're surprised when the enemy is so is moving, we're going, oh, I don't understand. Well, the world hates us. The enemy hates us. One day, he's going to get his. He's going to get his. I'll leave that to the Lord. But I want to be like the prophets when, when they're looking at him and going, is this the man who made the nations tremble? I want to see that now because of the power of God that lives inside us. Daniel, what's his response? Look at verse 14. And with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone to kill the wise men of Babylon. Can you imagine? Hold up, I'm talking to my executioner. <laughs> I'm here to kill you. Wait! But he says, he says, why is the decree from the king's so, why do it why 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 you gotta kill everybody right away? <laughs> and Arioch made the decision known to Daniel, verse 16. And Daniel went and asked the king to give him time that he might tell him the interpretation. Now, we've got to do some work here. Why? Because remember Daniel, as the king gave him time, this wasn't just a stalling tactic. He wasn't going, man, I need to stall for time. Listen, here's the deal, okay? Um, Okay, one, two, three, break. I'm going to stall for time. You three book it. Try to get as far as you can. Listen, we're 900 miles away. We're 900 miles. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here's... There's 1,100 miles from Lubbock, Texas to Los Angeles, California. That's about how far it was from Jerusalem to Babylon. You ready? Break. Let's go. Who's going to go running? Hopefully not get caught by, all, by Babylon, by King. No, no, we're not. He, he wasn't doing that, guys. There's something going on in Daniel's mind. And you go, what's that? Daniel knew that it takes time to listen to the Lord and to wait upon him. And Daniel was willing to take the time if the king would grant it. Lord, I need to go to the Lord. I need to go to the Lord. Listen, we need to learn to pray and hear the voice of God. This takes time. This takes time. And Daniel is going to do just that. He is going to pray. He's going to pray. So tonight, we're going to take some time to learn about prayer, about prayer. I'm calling this message, if you're taking note, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And you go, why? Tonight, we're going to discover the importance of prayer. You go, Pastor, I know this. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper, okay? We're going to jump into the text. We're going to see that Daniel Daniel prays so much throughout this book so much, Daniel's going to pray so much that it's actually going to get him in trouble. You go, what? Yeah, he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. So how important is prayer in our lives? Well, we're going to jump into our text and we'll break down the why and how of prayer. Look at verse 17 and 18. That's where we're going to hang out tonight. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. 
that they might seek the mercies from God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions may not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what does he do? He does what any good believer should do. Let me go to the Lord first. Let me pray. But not only that, he employs other to pray with him. You see, Daniel's not looking for others to agree with him. He's looking for others to pray with him. He's, he's looking for others who he trusts. He knows these men. He knows these three young men. And he says, guys, it's really important. We need to pray. We need to pray. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation because it, it kind of hits home just a little bit different. It said, so David went, or Daniel went home and he told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what was going on. He asked them to pray to the God of heaven for mercy in solving this mystery so the four of them wouldn't be killed along with the whole company of Babylonian wise men. Guys, will you just pray? We'll just pray. Now, think about this. Think about this. Put on your thinking caps, church. Daniel was, was in a type of situation where only God could meet his need. You understand that? This was not something that he could call a friend. He couldn't phone a friend. He couldn't use a lifeline. He depended upon God. Depended upon God. If you don't meet my need, I'm going to see you soon. You understand that? that this is dire straits. You see, Daniel knew how important it was for both he and his companions to pray. To pray. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, okay? So we're going to say goodbye to Daniel for now, okay? Where do we leave him? We leave him and his, and his, and his friends praying. If I were to ask Melanie, Melanie, where's Daniel? He's with his friends praying. He's at, he's at an all-night prayer meeting, really where he is. So Daniel's praying, and I want to chat a little bit tonight about prayer. You see, I want us to learn and leave here and understand the importance of prayer. Of prayer. Prayer was important in the life of a Jewish person. And if it was important in the life of these young Jewish men who were now taken in captivity, who were trained up in the University of Babylon, and life has been just a mess, how important it is for us. And I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking the same thing about the disciples. When Jesus was praying in the garden, how they were sleeping. How they were sleeping. How important is prayer in our lives? I think that's a good question to write on your Bibles. How important is prayer? How important is prayer in my life? Well, let me give you an example of the importance. Okay, hold your finger here and make a mark here and then turn over to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 is going to be in the New Testament. You'll have Matthew, you'll have Mark, and then Luke chapter 3. Why do I want you to turn there? Why can't I just watch it on the screen? Guys, because you need to see it in Scripture and you need to make marks. You need to underline this. This is a matter of life and death. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't come to Calvary to hear about life and death. No, prayer is a matter of life and death. Specifically for Daniel. 
and more importantly for us. Church, listen to me. As the days grow darker, as the days grow darker, as we head to 2023 and maybe 2024, we have to know and live the importance of prayer. We have to. Luke chapter 3, look at verse 21 with me. It says this, and I'm just going to give you some highlights. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. Guys, Jesus is busy doing ministry. He comes to John the Baptist. He gets baptized. And while he's being baptized, he's praying. He's praying. Here's what you can write down in your notes. Jesus was constantly praying. Constantly praying. Why is that important? What a beautiful avenue we have to talk to God the Father. What a beautiful avenue that we can... Well, I don't want to bug God with just my little things. I don't want to bug God with my, my little stuff. I mean, he doesn't need to know that I need a parking space at the grocery store. He doesn't need to... I don't need to bug him with the little things in my life. No, no, no. It's an avenue that you're able to talk to the God that created us. Jesus made that possible, but while Jesus was on the earth, he was constantly praying. Jump over to Luke 5.16. Luke 5.16, keep going to the right. It says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So what did Jesus do? Jesus often got alone and prayed. He prayed. I'm going to make over this point, but listen. There should be a place and a time when we get away just to pray. I'm going to tell you it's hard. It's very hard. There's some things you need to do in order to do this. You go, what's that? You need to shut off your phone. We have become so connected and tethered to our device that we can't pray. You spend five minutes and immediately you're like, okay, hold on, Lord, and or may, and, and so you'll start, okay, uh-huh, oh. Hmm. And prayer is gone. Oh, I'm sorry, i got to put my phone, I mean, I need to pray. And we do this. We do this. Jesus, he, he had some quiet time, in, in, and he prayed. He himself often withdrew, where? To the wilderness, and he prayed. And he prayed. Move over to Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, keep going to the right. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountains to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Guys, this is one of my favorite verses. The Lord went out to pray in the mountains. <laughs> I love the mountains. I really love, I, I've got to tell you, maybe in your life, there's certain places that you feel closer to God, geographically. Some might be like, man, when I'm in the ocean, or I, I'm running in the beach, I feel close to God. For me, it's the mountains. 
I feel so close to God when I'm in the mountains. And in our trip, when we went to South Dakota, we went over to Rapid, we went over to the Black Hills, and we had this beautiful Airbnb, but the mountains were so amazing. I was sitting out there with my coffee, and I was just like, I, I, boy, I pray. But there, it was like, that's what Jesus did. But here's the one thing that we're missing. Jesus prayed all night. He prayed all night. Sometimes we can't pray but 15 minutes. He prayed all night. You know what I find? I find that's a love relationship. Wouldn't you agree? That's a beautiful love relationship. Why? Because the same thing happened to me when I first met my wife. The same thing happened. We could talk all night. You remember those days? Oh, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Okay, uh-huh. And then an hour would go by and we'd talk, and two hours would go by and three hours. It's four in the morning. Okay, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, oh, no, I'm still here. And we would do that. Why would we do that? Well, looking back now, you were going to marry her, weren't you? Yeah, but it was a love relationship. And this shows me that Jesus was... Was just he just he knew his father, and I don't think the Lord was doing like a Lord, give me this, give me that. Lord, could you help me? He he's just he's just talking, and he's and he's just there's that coin in here. He's just talking to him. When I compare my prayer life to that, I sometimes feel like it's anemic, like. Lord, hey, hey, Lord, we got the church. Lord, hey, we need your carpet. Lord, we need... Uh, uh. You know, and it's just like, Ben, calm down, dude. Let's just talk. How are things really in your heart? Well, my heart can wait, Lord. Don't you see we... we have, uh, uh, and we got this, and, uh, and I got to study in this. Lord, give me this and give me that. And it's like, no, 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 I, I want to I talk to you. I want to talk to you. Move over to Luke chapter 9, verse 16. 9, 16. Keep going to the right. Then he took five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to his disciples before the multitude. Do you guys see that? Look at that. He's, he's taking the loaves and the fish, and he's praying. But I want you to notice for just a second the posture of prayer. You see, sometimes we feel like the posture of prayer is close your eyes, bow your heads, and pray. Jesus looked up. And he looked to heaven, and he connected. Boom. Move over to verse 18 of Luke chapter 9. Then it happened, as he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him and asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? Now, notice that Jesus prayed in private with his disciples, but not so much a public prayer right here. Right here. It's the importance of prayer. Look at verse uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, so it seems right in your sight. Let me give you one last turn. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. 
Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So it's safe to say as we as, as his disciples, we should be learning how to pray like Jesus prayed. It's safe to, that's what they said. And so they come to him and go, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. You see, we grow up in the Christian church and we go, well, praying is just talking so I know how to talk. And so we talk and we call that prayer. But tonight, let's ask the Lord, Lord, would, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? See, we notice that Jesus, the Son of God, put an incredible amount of time in his prayer life. And I believe as an example for you and I. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Ben, Jesus was God. I mean, come on. That's why he prayed so much. Okay, but listen, it's more than just Jesus being fully God and fully man. You see, the prayer life was something, the prayer life of a Jewish man was something, not that they did, but it's who they were. It's who they were. This is how Daniel, this is how Hananiah, this is how Misha, this is how Azariah would, would have grown up. This is how they grow up, praying. They would have grown up praying. This is how Mary and Joseph would have taught Jesus how to pray, how to pray. In the following weeks, as we go through the book of Daniel, we're going to see Daniel pray. He's going to pray. He'll be praying. But after tonight, I hope it'll make more sense on how Daniel prayed and why he prayed. And my hope also is that you and I will look at our prayer life a little bit different. So with that, let's start off with prayer that every Hebrew would pray. Okay? This prayer would be prayed, now jot this down, twice a day. This is a prayer that would be prayed in the morning and a prayer that would be prayed before bed. Okay? And it's called the Shema. S-H-M-E-A, the Shema. It is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 and 5. This is the Shema. This would be prayed in the morning and this would be prayed before bed. And it reads like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This prayer is known as the Shema. I want you to see it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Do you remember that Jesus actually talked about the Shema in the, in the New Testament? Do you remember he said that? No, where was it? Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 30. Jesus answered, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Did you know that? He's reminding them. He's reminding them. Okay, But I want to show it to you. I want to show it to you in Hebrew. I'm going to show you in Hebrew, and then we're going to actually see it in English. But look at this in Hebrew. Okay, This is it in Hebrew. It's, and that's not a V. That should be a Y. I'm sorry. But it's the Shema 
Israel Adonai Elehenu Adonai Akad. Barkuah Shem Kedvad Malakuho Alam Aloem Vaed. You guys ready to say it? You ready to say it again? Okay, here we go. We're going to say it. Let's stand. If you want to stand, we're going to pray the Shema. You ready? Stand. Okay. I think Nathalie knows this one by heart. But it's this. You ready? Shema by Israel, Adonai, Elohenu, Adonai Echad. You got to say it like that. Echad. Echad. Baruch Shem Kovad. That's okay. Malakuto Elohim Vaed. Okay, here's what you're saying. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. That's what you're praying. What a beautiful thing. If you want to take a picture of this, take a picture of it real quick. Remember, that's a Y, not a V. Whoever put that in, put it wrong. But it's, it's, this is in Hebrew, and it's a beautiful thing that you need to pray in the morning and in the night. It's the Shema. Israel Adonai Elohenu Adonai Achad Baruch Sheem Kovad Malachentu Alav Vaed. Hear, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. You can have a seat. What you need to realize, church, is the Shema is the central prayer in the Jewish prayer book, and it's often the first section of Scripture that a Jewish child learns. Orthodox Jews pronounce each word carefully and cover their eyes with their right hand. This is what they would do, okay? Now, labor with me for just a moment in the Shema prayer. The most important of all Jewish prayers is the Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. Okay? And you go, why? These are the first words of the Jewish prayer known as the Shema Israel. Listen, it is a declaration of faith and a pledge of allegiance to God. Your first prayer life should always be of faith in a what? In a pledge of allegiance to God, faith and, and, and allegiance. It's said when praising God and when, and when asking from him, that's what it is. It's praising and then saying, Lord, this is what I want. It's a prayer of praise to God, and it's a prayer of asking. But here's what you need to know. It's asking someone urgently or fervently. It's not like, hey, Mike, can I borrow a quarter? What's up? You know, it's, it's like, no, Lord, please. God also dictates that the Shema be worn close to the head and the heart. That's the Shema. When do we do it? They did it at the beginning in the morning, and they did it at night. Okay, the next prayer, you ready? You got to jot this down. A Jewish person would learn is called the weekday Amidah. Amidah. It's A-M-I-D-A-H. It's the Amidah. Okay? The Amidah contains 19 blessings. 
Originally, it was 18, but they since added one final blessing. Each blessing ends with a signature, blessed are you, O Lord. Blessed, O you, our Lord. And the opening blessings and when you end your prayer are both, blessed are you, O Lord. Now, take a step back in your mind. Think about your prayer life. Many times it starts off with I. I. I need, I want, I would like, I. But prayer here in the Amidah starts off with, Blessed are you, O Lord. Blessed are you. Now, we're not going to go over all 19. We don't have time. But let me give you the structure of the prayer. It's amazing. It's amazing. Number one, the first three blessings, you ready? Jot this down, uh, of this section are known as the Shavak. The Shavak, S-H-E-V-A-C-H. It's the Shavak. You go, what does that mean? Praise. It's praise. That's the first three blessings. And it's served to inspire the worshiper and invoke God's mercy. The first three, whenever praying, is the Shavak. You go, what does that mean? It's praises to God. It's praises to God. It's the Shavak. Praises to God and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praises to God for having power over life and death. And praises to God for being holy. Can I tell you what's going to happen in your life as you pray like this? The anxiety of the world is going to slowly fade away. Why? I'm just praying to God. I'm praising God. He has power over life and death. And he's holy. Jot this down. All prayers should start off with praise to God. Praise to God. All prayer. The middle 13 blessings, okay? So you have, what's the first one? It's the Shavak. But the middle, okay, they compose of the Bakasha. The Bakasha. B-A-K-A-S-H-A-H, the Bakasha. And you go, what does that mean? You can make a line right next to that and put the request. That's the request. With six personal requests and six communal requests, and the final request is that God would accept the prayers. You go, well, what do you mean? Here's a few examples. In the Bakasha, as well, first of all, we've praised God with the Shabbat. And now it's the Bakasha, and what are we doing? We're asking God for the ability to think and understand. How many of you do that in the morning? Lord, give me the ability to think and understand. In prayer, it asks God to help us follow his laws of the Torah. Lord, help me to be a good believer. Help me to be a good Christian to follow you. How about this? It asks us to forgive us of our sins. Of course, it's a request. It asks God to save us from trouble. It asks God to heal the sick. To heal the sick. These are just a few. So you have, again, remember, you have six personal requests. The Bakasha. And then you have communal. God, and then the last one is, Lord, would you please hear all of these requests? Would you please open up your ear? Then the final three blessings are known as the Chodah. 
Hoda'ah. It's H-O-D-A apostrophe A-H. It's a Hoda'ah. You go, what does that mean? I'm probably saying it wrong, but here's what it means. You can put gratitude next to that. Gratitude. And what are you doing? You're thanking God for the opportunity to serve the Lord. You're thanking God. Number 17 is, thanks God for allowing our prayers. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. Thanking God for a general blessing. Thank you, God, for just who you are. And then he says, thanks God for peace. For peace. Now, Let's chat for just a moment about this prayer. You go, what do you mean? Daniel would pray this prayer in Babylon, and this is the one that would get him thrown in the lion's den. Okay? This is what he would pray. The Amidah is said to at least be prayed three times every day. At the morning, afternoon, and the evening prayer services. A person would say it standing. A person should say it loud enough to hear, but should be quiet enough for other people can't hear it. So you'd be praying. Now, let's apply that. Let's apply it. Jesus, our Jesus, had two major prayers and would pray this prayer. So hold your finger, turn to Matthew chapter 6 really quick. Matthew chapter 6, Verse 9. If you're not fast enough, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Do you guys remember this? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. Amen. How many of you grew up knowing that prayer? We all grew up knowing that it was the Lord's prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. But I want you to look closely at it. Do you see the Amidah in it? Do you see the Amidah? You go, wow! First there's praise, then there's request, and then there's gratitude. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. You go, well, Ben, I thought this was the Lord's Prayer. No, 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 the real Lord's Prayer, and here's, we don't have time to get into it, I'm looking at the time, is in John 17, Okay? We don't have time to read it, but I'm going to give you homework. Oh, I didn't come to Calvary to do homework. Now, here's your homework. You ready? Go home tonight and read John chapter 17, and I want you to look for the Amidah structure. I want you to see the grad. I want you to see the um, praise, the request, and the gratitude. That's your homework. Report back to me on Sunday. You go, Ben, I'm not Jewish. I have trouble with praying. Okay, well, let me give it to you. Let, let me break it down. This might, this might help you just a little bit, okay, in your prayer life. You go, what's that? Maybe you're not familiar with the Shema, and maybe you're, you're not familiar with the Amidah. But here's what you need to jot down. In your prayer life, it might be the Acts prayer. A-C-T-S. Jot that down. The Acts prayer. This is how I should pray. Am I supposed to pray this way? No, it's not written in stone. I'm giving you a structure to try to help you. What's the A for? The A is for adoration. Adoration. Spend time praising him for everything. 
every prayer meeting and every time you should pray, there should always be an ample amount of time for adoration. God, you are amazing. Go back in your prayer life in your mind and you go, oh my goodness, that's so different from my prayer life. I go, Lord Jesus, I come in Jesus' name and I just want this and I know. And we forget how amazing he is. But C is for confession. After we're done with adoration, we confess and we confess our sins. Lord, I'm so sorry. I've had a bad attitude today. Lord, I'm so sorry. And please forgive me. And C is for confession in your prayer. Always confess. T is for thanksgiving. Pray with an attitude of gratitude. Lord, you're so amazing. You're thanking God for everything. You're thank- Notice the request hasn't even come yet. Your, your adoration, your confessing, your thanking God, and then you come to the S, which is supplication. It is the action of asking or begging for something Earnestly and humbly. Earnestly and humbly. We have the Jewish structure, the Shema. Pray twice in the morning and the night. I'm not telling you to do that. That was the Jewish. They've learned the Amidah. There's much, much more prayer that the Jewish person would have to learn, but the Amidah gives us good structure. But for us, it might be the acts. It might be a time for us to get together and pray and pray. And I think it's always good to, to end a Bible study in prayer. You see, in Daniel chapter 2, 17 and 18, what we covered, Daniel went to his house and he made the decision, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask my friends to pray. But here's what I'd like for us to do. Since it seems like we're amazingly divided, equal amount, we're going to spend the next 15 minutes in prayer. Everything that you've talked about, everything that you've learned tonight, I want to reiterate very quickly. I'm going to have Pastor Soph take this group here, gather together, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Oh, I don't pray out loud. I've given you a structure. First starts off, maybe your prayer says, Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've given me. Maybe there's some confession that we need to make. God, please forgive me. Maybe there we need to just sit and spend some time in thanksgiving. God, please thank, thank you for, for allowing. We have a building and we have this and I've eaten today and God, you're amazing. And then we can ask him. We can ask him for those This group of prayer, Mike Shaw's going to do this group of prayer right here. Right here, you got Adam and Mike gather together. Guys, don't be shy. This is what we're about. This is where the power comes from, and it's the same thing. It's the praise. Lord, praise God. We have personal requests. God, I'm broken. I need you. And then we have the gratitude. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Every one of us here, every one of us here can testify how good God is and what he's done. We're blessed. We're blessed.